to Compass and Clock. I'm your host, Mary Copeland. This infotainment podcast explores how to live your best life now and well into retirement. We'll discuss topics in financial planning, housing, and insurance. We'll talk wellness, relationships, and leisure activities. A full active life requires planning for your goals and preparing for the unexpected. I'll introduce you to a variety of guests from knowledgeable experts to folks sharing stories of their life experiences and so much more because life is big. All is intended to help guide you in planning for what you need now and at any age. Like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, my guest is Carrie McBride. Carrie joined the Alzheimer's Association in 2017, shortly after her sister was diagnosed with frontal, hopefully I'm saying this right, frontotemporal dementia at the very young age of 54. Carrie also lost her father to dementia in 2013, and unfortunately her mother is currently living with Alzheimer's today. Helping families like hers who are facing dementia is her passion and purpose. Carrie is also a member of DAC, which stands for Dementia Action Collaborative, the group responsible for implementing the Alzheimer's State Plan in Washington State. Today, Carrie and I are going to talk about the different network support programs, conferences, educational webinars, and events available to those affected by Alzheimer's. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to talk to you about this. It's really important to me, as you can imagine. I, I can. So um, that's a lot for one family. Um, and It is. <laughs> yeah. So um, why don't we just start off by um, telling our listeners um, the different, well, providing our listeners, I guess I should say, um, with a definition of Alzheimer's itself, please. Sure. So Alzheimer's is a progressive and fatal brain disorder that affects a person's memory, thinking, and behavior. Um, it's also a type of dementia. People often ask us, what is the difference between Alzheimer's disease and dementia? Because those terms are often used interchangeably. Mm -hmm. um, but dementia is really more of a general term for any disorder um, where memory and cognition changes are severe enough that they affect a person's daily life. And so under, if you think of dementia as sort of an umbrella, mm -hmm. um, there are many different diagnoses under that umbrella. So there's vascular dementia, dementia with Lewy bodies, um, frontotemporal dementia, which you mentioned my sister's living with, and even mixed dementia. There are people who have more than one type of dementia at a time. And so Alzheimer's disease is one of these um, diagnoses. It is a type of dementia. It's actually the most common type of dementia. It accounts for about 60 to 80% of all cases. Um, and there are about 6 million Americans living with Alzheimer's disease currently, um, including about 120,000 people here in Washington state. Um, and prior to the pandemic, it was actually the third leading cause of death in Washington. Um, so it affects a lot of people. Um, it is, um, you know, it's expected to increase as well the impacts. Um, you know, the, the population is aging, and as such, we expect the number of people living with Alzheimer's to double by the uh, year 2050. Um, and so um, advanced age is the leading risk factor for the disease, um, but still, Alzheimer's, dementia, it's not um, a normal part of the aging. And that's a 
common misconception that people have. Um, it really is sort of a neurodegenerative disease, meaning that the symptoms get much worse over time. Um, you know, they're often mild in the beginning, just some, um, some memory loss, maybe repeating yourself a little more often, making a lot more reminder notes. I know my mom in the beginning would um, write herself some notes on post-its and you'd find post-its all over the house reminding her to do even some basic things. Um, you know, and later on, um, people start to have mood changes and behavioral changes that can be very difficult. Um, and, and when you're in the late stages, people often need 24-7 care. Um, you know, they may no longer be able to walk or talk or swallow. Um, and so it is a really devastating disease. And um, it's something that the Alzheimer's Association is trying to address, not only by providing care and support to the families who are facing it now, but also in terms of research and looking for an effective treatment or cure. Um, our family, um, was affected by Alzheimer's also. My mom had Alzheimer's and she would hide things and then she couldn't find them. And But a lot of times we could find them in her walker because the seat would open up and you would find things in there. So um, you have to learn how to um, live with it and make new memories I found in order to, um, you know, survive it, you know, get through it together. Um, so we talked, when I did the introduction, I mentioned DAC, Dementia Action Collaborative. Can you tell us what that is? Sure, so the Dementia Action Collaborative, I'm gonna to refer to it as DAC, that's sort of the um, common term for this group. Um, they were formed in 2016, um, after the Alzheimer's State Plan was released in January of that year. Um, and they were really tasked with implementing the state plan, which is preparing Washington state for the growth um, in the number of people affected by Alzheimer's and dementia. Like I said, it's expected to double by 2050. So we want to make sure that our communities are prepared. And so um, it's a voluntary statewide group. Um, there's private and public partners. Um, it's made up of all types of people, people living with dementia, family caregivers, um, advocacy groups like AARP, um, professionals like myself who work in the aging and dementia field, long-term care providers, healthcare providers, researchers, you name it. Um, and so what they've been doing um, since the group's inception is really starting to develop some helpful resources that can help people now. And one of those resources I'd like to talk about is the Dementia Roadmap, because that's been a really popular resource. It was released in fall of 2017, and since then they've given out about eight 80,000 hard copies. Um, and what it is, is it's a, it is literally a roadmap for dementia, designed specifically for family caregivers who are supporting a loved one with dementia. Um, because, you know, we know, and many of us from personal experience, that dementia is really a journey. It can last many years. Um, there's lots of twists and turns. People often don't know where to go, what to do how to help. And so this is a roadmap in that it provides the kind of information, support, and guidance that people need throughout the journey. So no matter what stage someone's in, um, of, you know, no matter what stage of the disease someone's in, you have some tools and resources and guidance about 
what to expect, and, and what to do to help your loved one. And so that's a really popular resource. That's the Dementia Roadmap. If you use that as a Google search term, you'll be able to find it. But I'll give you a website here in a minute uh, where you can also access the PDF and download it yourself if you'd like to see it online. Um, and then something else they recently developed, it just came out last year, is the Dementia Legal Planning Toolkit. And that really, um, it's, it's really meant for people who are either at risk of developing Alzheimer's or dementia, um, or people who have maybe been recently diagnosed or are living in the early stages of disease. And it gives them um, a kind of a roadmap, a toolkit for making important legal, financial, and care decisions, healthcare decisions. It gives you a place to write them down. It provides the forms that you would need to fill out. And you know, this is really important. This is something that I really wish my family had had um, when we were going through this journey with my dad, because it was the first time our family had done, had gone through this. Mm -hmm. And you know, my stepmom and I, my dad didn't have any kind of advanced care planning done. He was diagnosed very early, like late fifties. And so, um, you know, this wasn't, we didn't expect this. We didn't know what to do. And we weren't always sure if we were making the right decision or if we were making the decision that my dad would have wanted us to make. Um, and so this really, this provides your loved ones um, with your wishes. It lets them know what you would want for yourself before you lose the ability to make those decisions for yourself. And so it's a really important document. So those resources um, that I mentioned, the Dementia Roadmap and the Legal Planning Toolkit are available on the DACS um, website that they created. That, that website is memorylossinfowa.org. That also has some other great information on that website, but definitely look for those resources right on the homepage. Again, that's memorylossinfowa.org. Um, I've seen the Dementia Roadmap and it is a phenomenal um, piece. And since we're doing this podcast, which is going to be available to anybody that wants to listen to it, not just here in Western Washington, they could be across the country. Um, I'm assuming that roadmap can be accessed for anybody anywhere, correct? Yeah, it can be. I mean, it has some very specific resources for Washington state residents that um, wouldn't necessarily apply to someone outside of Washington. But I think the general information contained in the roadmap is really applicable to anyone living anywhere who's facing dementia. And so um, even if you just use it as um, a reference guide for what to expect in certain stages of the disease, I think it can still be helpful to people. Yeah, that's what I thought, so thank you for mm -hmm. confirming that. Now, can you share with us some of the social engagement programs available through the Alzheimer's Association, please? Sure, so our social engagement programs, um, to be honest, have been mostly on hiatus during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But the types of programs that we would typically um, offer or help organize and get started are things like memory cafes, um, zoo walks, which that has been going on during the pandemic. They now call themselves the zoo zoomers. They meet on zoom and <laughs> talk about zoo animals and, and they do some other things too. They're a very tight knit group. Um, we've done museum tours and things of that nature. And so, um, you know, social engagement is really important for people who are living with dementia and their care partners or loved ones. Um, because this disease, I'm, I'm sure Mary, as you know from your experience, can be really isolating for people. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for 
you know, someone who's been diagnosed with dementia to all of a sudden see friends who aren't getting in touch as often or maybe not at all or family members who distance themselves. And so it can be really isolating, really lonely, especially too for caregivers as the disease progresses. You know, a lot of people who have never been affected don't know how to relate to someone who's going through this. And so the social engagement programs, they really just, they give people, not only, not only do they help people stay socially connected and, and engaged um, in the community with some really great activities, but they also help people build that network of support. You know, these um, programs are often held weekly on the same day and same time. That makes it a nice part of people's routine, which, you know, routine is really important for people with dementia. Mm-hmm. And um, the families that attend these, they become very tight. They, they get to know each other. They're all going through the same thing and um, they rely on each other you know, they form a bond. And so it's really important for that piece as well. Um, Just really quickly, I wanted to tell you that there is a program um, in the Seattle King County area called Momentia. And they actually offer a lot of different programs, even right now that are virtual, things like art classes, sing-alongs, they have improv workshops and dance classes, just a variety of programs. There's a lot of different organizations who have kind of um, got involved in Momentia who offer these programs. And so definitely, you know, look for those programs online as well, the Momentia programs. And then I just wanted to mention too, we talked about the DAC, the Dementia Action Collaborative is also focusing on increasing social engagement, engagement programs across the state. They actually have a project team dedicated to um, building out a network of social engagement programs. So it's something that definitely improves people's well-being and quality of life that we really want to see. Um, more of throughout the state. So would somebody go to the Alzheimer's um, website to find these programs? What, what address would you send them to? You know, you could start out with the Alzheimer's Association, ALZ.org, or um, calling our helpline, which is 1-800-272-3900. And once you're connected to someone locally at our chapter, we can definitely refer you to what social engagement opportunities are available in your community. Perfect. Thank you. So now I know you do several conferences um, throughout the year annually and tell us about there's two in particular, the caregivers conference and then also the discovery conference, which happened to be last Friday and, and you had invited me to attend and it was phenomenal. Yeah, we're really excited to be able to host our Discovery Conference this year. Um, So our Discovery Alzheimer's Regional Conference, that's what it's called, it's been around for 36 years. And last year we had to cancel it because of the pandemic, although we did host sort of an online educational event. It wasn't a full conference last year, Um, but we were really excited to be able to do it this year online and have some great speakers. Um, Dr. Carl Hill, who's the Chief Equity um, diversity and inclusion officer for the Alzheimer's Association was our keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. And then we had um, sessions throughout the day in a variety of topics, um, sexuality and dementia, um, elder suicide and dementia. Um, I know, uh, Mary, you attended a session about LGBT mm-hmm. um, people affected by dementia. And so some really great topics. These com- the, the Discovery Conference is really geared towards healthcare professionals or people working in the aging and dementia field. So the topics tend to be a little more advanced. Um, but, you know, it's really important for us to reach out to um, healthcare providers, long-term care providers, and make sure that they really are 
up to speed on sort of best practices, how to help people of different cultural backgrounds, um, all kinds of topics that are sort of important right now, um, and the latest research and that kind of thing. And so that's what the Discovery Conference really does. And then um, we also have the Journey Conference. So Discovery and Journey, those two brands kind of go together. <laughs> and the Journey Conferences are our caregiver conferences. And we haven't had one since the pandemic, but hopefully, um, you know, things are improving and maybe by next fall or early spring, we'll be able to, um, to host something in person. But those are really geared towards just family caregivers and loved ones of people with dementia. Um, they're usually held on Saturdays. We know that there are a lot of working caregivers, so Saturdays work best. And um, they usually feature about three or four sessions during the day, usually from early in the morning until about four o'clock in the afternoon. We provide lunch and um, you get to learn a lot about different caregiving topics, whether it's communication, behaviors, um, how to help your loved one, you know, um, stay well through nutrition and exercise, those types of things. So those are great. And then we also, I just wanted to mention, we also have what we call community conferences. And these are conferences that are tied to a community um, and, also, and they um, offer education for both family caregivers and professional caregivers. And so the one in Western Washington um, is usually held in Olympia. It's the South Sound Alzheimer's and Dementia Conference. And then we're also planning to actually this fall, hopefully in person in Spokane and Tri-Cities. Wonderful. You're very busy over at the Alzheimer's Association, I have to say. There's always something that you're coming up with to help educate and support um, the community. Yeah, we don't stop. We're relentless. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I love it. Um, there are also at least 10 more different educational monthly webinars supporting families with information pertaining anywhere from early detection to effective communication strategies and so much more. Plus, I know you have Wellness Wednesdays. So can you talk about a few of these webinars and who they benefit? Sure, so these live interactive webinars that we host each month, usually there's about 15 a month, are really um, generally geared toward family caregivers and loved ones who um, have someone in their family living with dementia. Um, although professional caregivers do attend and can attend, certainly, um, they, the topics that are covered range, you mentioned communication strategies. Um, another popular one is how to respond to dementia-related behaviors. That's awful often very difficult for family caregivers, just something that um, you know, some education could help with. Um, how to have difficult conversations. You know, no one prepares you to have to take away the keys from your parent, for instance. You know, how do you have that conversation? Um, so some really, really, I would say, nitty gritty caregiving resources, tools, information are provided in these webinars. And these used to be in person, Educational events, they will be again someday. Um, but what we've learned is that by offering them online, we're really able to reach more people in more places, people who wouldn't have come to an in-person event or wouldn't have been able to, um, just location-wise. So um, we're gonna continue to offer some online education moving forward as well, because um, we know that there's, it takes a lot for someone who's caring for someone in their home to find someone to come and stay with their loved one while they go to an hour and a half presentation at the library, for instance. And, um, you know, now people can, they don't have to worry about traffic or parking or, um, or any of that. They can just walk onto their computer and um, attend a live webinar, which means you can get your questions answered, which is really important, and um, all from the safety and comfort of their own home. Um, 
and so yeah that's our those are sort of our ongoing educational programs and then we also have wellness wednesdays which you mentioned and that's a partnership that we developed with the university of washington's memory and brain wellness center um, and it's every Wednesday from 1 to 1.45 p.m. And it really does cover sort of those wellness topics that people, um, lots of people are interested in. We have people from all types of backgrounds attend these, um, whether that's, um, you know, how to stay healthy right now during the pandemic, you know, nutrition, exercise. We've talked about sleep and the importance of sleep. Um, the importance of social engagement, all of those types of wellness topics, which I think, um, especially during the pandemic, has been important to a lot of people, um, and really even more important now, more than ever, to people living with dementia and their caregivers, because this pandemic has really hit our community very hard. So um, hopefully that's something we'll be able to continue on as well. Yeah, and as you said, the pandemic did hit the community hard, but at the same time, um, there have been the, these discoveries of different ways to reinvent ourselves and how to pivot so that we can continue to support each other. And I love that you're going to continue doing the webinars and educational pieces online because that is so true that more people can attend. Um, it, it is very, very difficult to get somebody to watch your loved one so that you can slip out to attend one of these but if it's online it makes it so much easier and it takes that burden off too of you know there's a little guilt sometimes if you're leaving etc so i love that you're going to continue it with that yeah so as we are talking about that topic all these different programs that you provide um, i know those are ones that you provide through your chapter here in western washington but across the United States, are there similar programs set up by state and region through the Alzheimer's Association? Yes, definitely. So the Alzheimer's Association has chapters in all 50 states. And so if um, you're looking for support groups, educational programs, um, or other social engagement programs, definitely try to connect with the chapter in your local area. Um, there's a tool right on our website, which is alz.org, and the tab says your chapter. And if you click on that, you can um, search by state and see all the different locations. And just because, um, you know, there's maybe not a, an Alzheimer's Association office in your community, you know, don't worry about that. They have coverage areas. For instance, our chapter actually covers all of Washington State and North Idaho, where they're developing programs and have programming available. So definitely connect with your local chapter um, to find out, you know, what programs are available in your area. And you can also call our helpline to get that information as well if you prefer. And that number again is 1-800-272-3900. Um, when people say, when they hear the word helpline, they think, I'll call if there's a crisis. But really our helplines for anything, information, even if you just have some basic questions, if you need support, guidance, um, and definitely resources. Find out what's available near you. Maybe not even just from the Alzheimer's Association, but from other community organizations who are um, supporting families facing this disease. We're gonna have to wrap up in a couple of minutes here. So I definitely would like you to give a plug about the Alzheimer's walks that take place across the nation, if you could. Sure, so our Walk to End Alzheimer's is really our signature event. 
It's held in over 600 communities across the country, including in uh, nine cities here in Western Washington. Um, our flagship event in Western Washington is the Pacific Northwest Walk to End Alzheimer's in Seattle. That is scheduled for October 2nd this year. We are planning for in-person events, but we will have options for people who maybe aren't comfortable in a large gathering quite mm -hmm. yet, so they can walk in their own communities. Um, but we also have walks in Vancouver, Olympia, Tacoma, Bremerton, Redmond, Everett, Port Townsend, and Burlington. So lots of different options, no matter where you are in Western Washington. Um, you know, the Walk to End Alzheimer's, it, it, it is primarily a fundraising event. Um, all of the community programs that I mentioned earlier, the helpline, the support groups, the education, all of that is provided free of charge to the community. And so the walk definitely helps sustain those programs. It helps ensure that people facing this disease have some care and support resources available locally. Um, but it also funds research. That's why we call it the Walk to End Alzheimer's. Um, a lot of people don't know that the Alzheimer's Association is the world's largest nonprofit funder of Alzheimer's research. We have an international grant program where we actually fund research. We've actually started doing some research ourselves. And then we also advocate for increases to Alzheimer's research um, through the federal government. And that's actually been very successful. Um, we've been able to increase Alzheimer's research funding through the National Institutes of Health sevenfold since 2011. And it's now over $2 billion a year. And so, um, so it definitely helps provide funding for care support and research. But to me, the walks are also just really inspiring. Um, you know, I mentioned that um, this disease can be isolating for families, but when you go to the walk, you are in a community with people who have been through this journey or who are going through this journey. And it really, it not only helps raise awareness in the community about how many people are impacted and why this disease is so important, but it really just, um, it gives you this sense that you're not alone in your struggles, that there are, there's help out there, um, and that we're all in this together and we're going to find an effective treatment or cure, hopefully someday soon. And so we would love to have folks join us um, for walk this fall. Um, if they can and so they can find information about that on the website and the website again is alz.org um, that's our main Alzheimer's Association website you know from there you can get information about all types of topics you can connect to local resources like we talked about and you can find ways to get involved like with the walk to end Alzheimer's um, but also you know if you are interested in volunteering or becoming an advocate for the disease um, there are a lot of ways that you can get involved with our cause and make a difference. I have personally attended the walk. I went with my father a couple of years ago because my mom, his wife, passed away from Alzheimer's. And it is, it is a wonderful, wonderful event. You definitely um, feel surrounded by folks walking the same journey. So um, consider creating your own team, listeners, and, and helping the cause. Um, Carrie, I want to thank you for educating myself and our listeners about all the support, tools, education, and more provided to families affected by the Alzheimer's disease. Your compassion truly inspires all those that want to find a cure for the disease. So thank you so much for being with me today. And um, listeners, we'll catch up with you next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye.